The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. Same old show, brand new intro. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, and sitting gleefully, giggly, and ready to go as always is my lovely co-host, Brittany Page. I don't think anyone has ever said that I'm giggly (laughs) or whatever else you just used to describe me and make me sound like I'm a little doll child. You are a little doll child. I think that's perfect. It's like the other day when I wasn't feeling well and you called man me a, baby. Ma- a man baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, you are a man baby. I most certainly Incapable am, of am, being yes. sick. Yeah. Well, I don't like to be sick. Okay. Nobody likes to be sick, but it's about whether or not you can handle being <laughs> sick without being a nuisance to everyone around you. I resent that. <laughs> I resent that. Mm. So as you heard at the top of the show... Just less than a minute and a half ago. Well, hopefully. Some people probably skip over it. Uh, I doubt it. When they hear it's something completely different than what they're normally used to. I doubt it, too. (laughs) Wow. That is turdtastic. I can't believe you did that. So anyway, new intro. Um, We hope you like it. I I certainly like it. Um, But nothing's changed. Same wilting personalities that you're normally used to. How dare you? Jesse and Brittany at it again. Episode 93 of I Doubt It. If you'd like to sound off about anything we've said in previous episodes or in this particular one, it is 657-464-7609. That is where you call to leave a voicemail of less than three minutes. You can also... Record yourself on your smartphone and email it to idoubtit at dollamore.com or just use standard good old-fashioned email text (laughs) to that particular uh, email address. So right off the top of the show, I want to get something off my chest, something that has been bothering me for a long time, and I want to talk about it. What is with parents... And their goddamn kids in in grocery stores. Yes, I know what you're talking about. Well, I, I know we talk about grocery stores a lot. <laughs> that's an understatement. Always at the top of the show. And maybe it's because that's where most of my aggravation stems from in my life. Is when I have to be in a grocery store and around the, the unwashed masses. Right. And there's two things that happened this week. One involves something with Brittany, where she almost lost her mind. I guess we should probably start with that. And that is um, the kids when you were... There's a grocery store that's kind of a hippy-dippy, you know, organic, you know, one of those. And they have bins of bulk food everywhere. And Brittany was getting snacks for her long days at school. And there were... Why don't you tell? And the kids running rampant, unsupervised, or narrowly supervised, sticking their little, dirty asshole fingers into the bins. Well, you just told it. (laughs) I mean, that's what was happening. And so I decided actually to forego 
most of the snacks that I was going to get because they were within reach of grubby little gross hands. Right. And I didn't want any part of that. And these kids were just reaching into the bins and touching the food with their hands. That's gross. And kids don't don't care about germs. So they could have been, you know, picking up poop. I mean, who knows what they're doing? They're well, gross. Kids are filthy animals. I mean, they're they're just a step above dirty, filthy monkeys. So who knows what orifice they had just been scratching at, digging into their little buttholes. Right. And then reaching into your trail mix bin. Right. Well, I mean, if you if you watch kids for any period of time when they're out in public, they are touching the rails. They are touching buttons. They're touching the bottom of their feet, the bottom of their shoes. They're putting their shoes in their mouth. They're just disgusting. And they don't <laughs> they don't think about these things. They're filthy animals. They don't think about these things unless they have parents that are neurotic that tell them, listen, germs. OK, just germs. Be aware. And these parents, it was it was a mom who had three kids with her, and you could tell that some of them weren't hers because she would just tell them, hey, don't do that. And that's not enough when you have a kid that's putting their hand in bins. Right. right? I, well, she kept saying, we don't play. We don't play. Yeah. But Homie, I don't, don't play that. Yeah, her, her kid was not getting the message. So you very likely have child fecal matter on your cranberries and almonds. No, no, no. Because I went to the bins that were higher up, the second mm. row, and I didn't get any snacks that were in the first row. One of those kids looked old enough to be at the masturbation age. You probably had your <laughs> bin that you chose oh from my God. just had his little dick beaters all up okay. in your snacks. Please stop. I, I'm... I Listen, I'm just... I want to shoot you straight. Okay, I paid six ninety nine a pound for those almonds, and I am not... Covered... In masturbatory funk, okay, guaranteed. Anyway, there was also guaranteed. there was also a drug-addled woman who was in the store. Oh yeah, and she just came in for an afternoon snack, right? She also decided to dip her hand in a bin and just take a handful of snacks for free. So and apparently, then, that's a thing that and adults then she do. She walked through the store with her her CVS bag filled with who knows what, while munching on her yogurt covered raisins or whatever the hell she yeah, had. Yeah, her handful of snacks that she took out of a bin. That well, is just crazy. Listen, meth makes people very snacky, very hungry. I, you know, you can't blame. You can't blame her. It's okay. Anyway, we went to check out and a different parent is not supervising their child and the child is at the very end of the checkout, like where you would load your groceries onto the little grocery conveyor belt. Mm -hmm. And she has her arms flapped over, letting the conveyor belt like tickle her arms or whatever. Mm -hmm. Not moving. <laughs> we have a cart full of stuff. We want to get going. Not moving. Parent, not saying anything. So. Jesse decides to run a little social experiment of his own here. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. That you had, you had told me afterward that it was my own little personal social experiment. Because I, I ran the cart up to her. As close as I possibly could without actually touching her. And I I don't know if you just used the word ram or, or what you just said, but you didn't do it forcefully. You did it slowly. Inched oh, yeah, it up yeah. to her right next to her. Yeah, I ran, ran it up. Okay. Ran it up. Okay. So as I'm running it up toward her slowly... She's starting. Have you ever been sitting in a restaurant and you you just sense that someone is burning a hole in your head staring at you and then you turn and sure enough, some creeper 
is getting his creep on staring at you. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you have this happen all the time. This happens to Brittany all the time. People are staring at her and it usually happens to me when I have a booger in my nose or something. Or people just are in- angry that I have my hand down my pants. I don't, you know, <laughs> people just in their judgments. Who knows? Anyway, the kid finally realized that something was going on and turned around a little freaked out that I was as close as I was to her. My cart was as close as I was to her. I don't want to paint I don't, this. That I, I don't think you're telling a, it correctly. Uh, all right, then carry on. Okay, so you got close to her and she didn't look up the first time. She just like sensed that the cart was right next to her. So she moved forward a little bit. And you wanted to push her forward more because she still wasn't out of the way. So you moved the cart closer again. Oh, right. That's right. And then she moved back again. So you moved the cart up to her again. And finally, she like looked and was like, what's going on here? Because she realized that the cart kept getting closer to her. Well, she kept... (laughs) I was boxing her out from being in our way. Right. So I finally pushed her almost all the way to her mother. And then she just ran off. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> she, well, she like ran af- on the other side of her mom. She was afraid she was going to have to call her, you know, her her state farm guy or whatever, mm-hmm. like a good neighbor and have the guy appear and save her life. Yeah. I think every kid should have one of those. That wouldn't have happened though. Right. So anyway, if you're a parent and you bring your child to the grocery store, Mind their behavior. Please. Something Because someone someday is going to freak out and stuff your child into the bin, into the most empty bin that they can find, and it's going to be a tragedy. Or into the bin that has that gross candied ginger just to torture them. <laughs> you hate that ginger. It's disgusting. So as a little bit of a follow-up, we have been talking about an incident with Brittany getting her her, her lady bits waxed. <laughs> I love how this continues. This, I know. This show just has gone <laughs> straight to hell. So, anyways, she wrote a Yelp review. The, ma- the, the owner of the business wasn't happy and has asked Brittany to take the review down in concert with the offer to come in for a free redo of the aforementioned waxing of her lady parts we'll just say that Mm -hmm. i won't say that it's to get your asshole waxed Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna say that Mm -hmm. so well it's also it's also the badge okay well but it's the asshole that i think is the funniest part because that's the part you mentioned in the review Mm -hmm. so um second show in a row that one of our female listeners has called in to give advice guys it's kathy from boise I wanted to weigh in on the uh, waxing situation for Miss Brittany. Um, I myself have been on the receiving end of several of those waxes, so I feel your pain, both literally and figuratively. Um, I also, though, have been in the salon slash spa industry for the last 10 years and self-employed in that. And so um, my perspective on that is that while you exercised your right to, you know, kind of publicly chastise the establishment for not providing a good service, she, as a business owner, is reaching out to you to try to make it right, which I actually respect a lot because it oftentimes isn't what you find in that industry. People just don't really care or don't have the integrity to want to improve the situation. So I think since you exercise your right to be unhappy and express it publicly, I think maybe she deserves the opportunity to fix that for you and 
make it right. So that's just my two cents, but I think she's doing the right thing. And maybe the right thing to do would be to give her that opportunity. And also if she's any sort of professional, she's not thinking, Oh, this is that chick that said asshole in her review. She's thinking, Oh, yay. This girl's giving me the opportunity to make this right. So if she's worth it at all, she's not thinking that about you. So just don't even worry about it. Go in, get your free service and give this lady an opportunity to prove that her business is better than your first impression. Anyway, take care guys. Bye. So I have three things right off the top. Why do you always get to respond first when people are calling to give me advice? All right. Well, I wanted to say first and then I'll, I'll only say one of them. One thing is Listen how good that sounded. It did sound very so good. What what listener Kathy did was record herself on her smartphone and email that message to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Voicemail is great, but you know, it sounds like a voicemail. This sounds like beautiful. Like she was here. Oh yeah. So good. So that is an option for you. And you could make your call or your recording as long as you want where the voicemail is has to be less than three minutes. So, sorry, Brittany, for cutting in on the advice that was given to you. Okay, well, my first thing that I want to say is I love Kathy's voice, and every time I hear it, I feel like she should be a radio host of, like, a love show. Well, maybe... Like a romance love. If you don't mind your P's and Q's, I'll have a new new co-host. All right, that's enough. (laughs) Like, you know, one of those those radio stations where you call in with, like, love song requests, and then the DJ yeah, like has, the like, a thunder. sultry oh, voice. The, the, 107.7, the thunder. Yeah. <sighs> and then they play the, yeah. the sound effect. right? Yeah, because she just has a really great voice like that. Or maybe she should just go into the sex line business. The 1976 wax my butthole or whatever. Wow. No? Yeah, you know a lot about that, apparently. <laughs> So I have it on speed dial, Brittany. So this was a very logical call, and it's hard to make any argument disagreeing with what she's saying. It seems to be a consensus. Right. And from last time, too. I'm starting to feel guilty. (laughs) Everyone's making me feel guilty is what's happening here. Um, But I like that she said that I should give her the opportunity to give me a different impression. She said it very, very well. Right. I forgot how it was phrased, but... That, that give you a chance to win her business back. That her, or, or, or to, her to, business to change your first impression. Yeah, that her business is better than my first impression. Yeah, that we got great. it figured out after yeah. a while. <laughs> well, eventually it's going to happen. So I like that. Well, here's my thing, and this is not shitting on Kathy, but it seems to me that because Kathy's in the, I don't know why, but I get this vibe that Kathy one might not be a giant fan of Yelp because she kept saying how you. You voiced your displeasure publicly. She kept using the word publicly, like, oh, God damn it! Like, you could, the rage I just sense is boiling in her. But, you know, she's a listener. and <laughs> I know, that's why I started to feel guilty. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, Kathy. Yeah, I, I know. Like, you crucified this lady who owns this business. Which, by the way, this business, we're not going to name it because we don't want to have any, any issues. But they are a full... Five-star business on Yelp. Right. Not four and a half star. No. Full five-star. Britney's review has not diminished. It's not like people stopped going in there because, oh, that's only a two-star business. 
they uh, they're still getting their good reviews. Yeah. So it, with taking this and the, the call last last show from Allison, I think you should go back. I think you should call, explain the situation. Say you've been talking to a lot of people. Tell them you you host a podcast and you've asked your audience. Oh and my god! They've all called in, and the consensus because we talk about con- scientific consensus on the show. Mm-hmm. This isn't necessarily scientific. But the consensus is you should go in and have them wax your asshole free of charge. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, thanks for the call, Kathy. We really appreciate all of our listeners who sound off and participate in the show as much as they do. It's yes, great. thank you. Thank you for making me feel guilty. Well, which leads me to, you know, <laughs> I, I also want to say this. Um, one, please make Brittany feel guilty as much as you can because it brings her down several notches. But the other thing is, I want to say thank you to our Patreon supporters. Um, we've only been doing the Patreon thing for a very little time, and we've also, we really don't talk about it. And it's because I feel, uh, Brittany really feels weird about it, but I, I feel a little weird about the whole asking for money thing. We know podcasting. And we're putting out a podcast. It's free, but there are costs associated with it. And I need to get over that feeling like I'm begging for money because we don't talk about it enough, certainly, for it to be begging. But we really wanted to specifically give a, a, a thanks, a, a sincere, heartfelt thank you to Brett and Jamie and Jeremy, Allison, Jill, Burnt, all of our Patreon supporters who in this early stage of the experiment, which is Patreon for us, um, it's great to have such early support. And we really couldn't be any more thankful. It's it's great. Right. We really appreciate it. If you, this, I don't even know if I want to turn it into a commercial for Patreon. I'm not going to. So we won't do that. So last show, we talked about having recorded the show early because we were going to an event at Caltech in Pasadena, California. Which, by the way, is a beautiful city, but holy shit, what a pain in the ass to get to that place. Mm -hmm. You know, regular listeners will know we live in Orange County, California, home of Newport Beach and Huntington Beach, Laguna Beach, that those beach cities usually give people a a reference. Also Anaheim. Right, Anaheim, where Disneyland is, home of the measles. That's their mascot for the city, Mm -hmm. the measle. Mm -hmm. So anyway... um. It was kind of a pain in the dick to get up there, but that notwithstanding, we went, beautiful mountains in the background, awesome campus. We went to this thing with Bill Nye promoting his book, Evolution, Undeniable Science of blah, 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 whatever the name of the book is. Mm-hmm. I don't have it here, so I, I don't have it. Well, we're not being paid. Right. So anyway, <laughs> him, he and Michael Shermer sat down and had a little talk about the book, and I was impressed with a couple different things, but I was also very disappointed with several things. One, very impressed with Michael Shermer because he kept Bill Nye, held him to the fire, mm-hmm. in the in, in, despite his celebrity, held him to the fire on some of his nutter-butter, anti-science kind of beliefs. Right. I didn't know that Bill Nye was a... Well, I, let's, let's start here. If I go to a thing and it's going to be a science talk. Well, and this was supposed to be... For his book, which is about evolution right. and the science of creation. And so this was going to be a discussion with Michael Shermer about his book. So Bill Nye came out on stage and gave like a 
10 to 15 minute, I would say, presentation with slides of photos of him on CNN and stuff like this. It was, it was, was kind of strange. Kind of like a bio. Yeah, but it was it was funny. He was very entertaining and said funny things and, you know, it was lively. But, and then Michael Shermer came out and they had a discussion on stage about various topics related to the book and then other things aside from that. Well, yeah, I, I can't argue with that. Here's my issue. If I go to something that's going to be a science talk... I don't need your political persuasion and your little your little political opinions peppered in along the way. I don't need that. That's not why I paid money to come see you. I would expect that of a political rally. I wouldn't expect that going into a science thing. And I mean, well, let's put it this way. I, at some one point, I pulled out my iPhone and started typing all of the different things that were super political. He made a reference to Pierce Morgan, the fired host of the Pierce Morgan show on CNN and, and talked about him having been fired for his battle against gun violence. Right. You're leaving out a very funny part of this story. So um, Bill Nye also called Pierce Morgan a highly respected journalist. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. and here comes a silent audience with the exception of Jesse D who is releasing the most boisterous laughter from his mouth hole that I've ever heard. And I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> well, we, we were, um, three rows, three rows back. I mean, we were in the front row practically. <laughs> right. I think Bill and I stopped and kind of like looked out into the audience. I don't know if he could see, but he was kind of like, I don't, I don't know why someone's laughing. Like, <laughs> well, I thought it was a joke. Right. I mean, Listen, political opinions aside, Piers Morgan's not a respected journalist. He's he's a stinky turd he, who hates, has zero respect for our form of government or our constitution here in the United States because he's he's a Briton. He's not from here, and he doesn't have any allegiance to it. So, well, uh, he was also fired from CNN for. I, I don't well, know. I don't know why specifically, but I know that other CNN news people were not fans, right? Particularly Anderson Cooper, who and, was taking shots at him on New Year's Eve. Sure, like he hopes he's found a job and stuff like this. Right. So, and, and then Bill or uh, Bill Nye had to kind of check himself to get back on track because you could tell, or it seemed to me, my sense of it was he wanted to go down that rabbit hole about gun violence and being an anti-gun guy, which. That's not the forum. That's not what we're there for. Right. Well, and also after he said the thing about the gun violence, everyone was silent. So I think that also gave him an indication of there was no reaction to that statement. So maybe I shouldn't yeah. go into that further. Right. Well, I'm sure that would have been a, a friendly audience for that type of discussion. Right. Right. But it just wasn't why we were there. I think the whole audience being of, of, of like mind for the science of everything, they were, well, we're not going to, that's not what we're here for. So right. move along, sir. <laughs> And then um, not long after that, he made a reference to the fact that our Department of Defense here in this country, the DOD, the Department of Defense, at one time was called the Department of War. And he made this kind of little funny little, oh, isn't it funny how, how it's called the Department of Defense? Now, not the Department of War. If we called it the Department of War, people would think about it a lot different. And then he made a joke about the Department of Defense who are defending our oil fields. Mm -hmm. And it's just... One, it's woefully misinformed because the amount of oil we've taken from Iraq, its he acts like we've taken control of the Iraqi oil fields or something. And to be honest, the people who have taken control of the oil fields up to this point has been ISIL. 
Baghdadi. Not not the United States. So he needs to get his facts straight before he starts puking his filthy political opinions out on the audience who didn't come there for that. Well, it's kind of an interesting lesson in psychology as well to watch this interaction that was happening because he's a man of science who values scientific consensus, who values evidence for why he believes what he believes. Or he should. But then you can tell that as far as his political beliefs go, he's very, very, very on one side. Dogmatic. And usually when someone is very far left or very far right and down the line, especially, that indicates to me somewhat lack of free thinking because it just doesn't make sense to be like that. Right. That one side is always correct, perfectly aligned with what is right. Right. Never askew at all. And, it's like being totally Republican. That's, right. Or totally conservative. That's fucking ridiculous. It makes no sense. It indicates more of an allegiance to an idea or the group rather than taking things on its own merit and really analyzing a subject as you go. That's exactly right. That's awesome. You said that perfect. And then he went on and he was talking about the car carbon fee, charging a carbon fee rather than a carbon tax in related to a carbon offset thing. And then he made a joke about the government and... Government bad, taxes bad, stoplights bad. So just he's he's a he's a government guy. He's God damn. It's just well, and he's obviously trying to be jokey about the fact that he's hating on um, people who dislike the government, and he's taking it a step further and and being real snarky about the the stoplights thing, right? Which I've never heard anyone that's against government talk about the stoplights. I understand he's making a joke, but well, he's. It is, he's he's conflating people's, listen, people who have a healthy skepticism about the government and the government, the power of the government, that's a good thing. To be rah-rah federal government is just asking for fucking trouble, as evidenced by history. When you trust your government and you give all the power to the federal government and you don't say anything... Shit like the internment during World War II, where we we were putting in, in work camps, in these prison camps, uh, Japanese Americans, many of, many of them were Americans, his party did that. Franklin Delano Roosevelt did that. So, he, anyway, so we have one more and I'll, I'll get off. Ugh. Well, actually, there's two more. <laughs> Uh-oh. So this man of science is opposed to nuclear energy, mm -hmm. opposed to it. Mm -hmm. he, he gave a number. I, I didn't write it down uh, correctly, I, or I may have. I don't, I don't know if this is completely accurate, but it's very close. He, he said that there are right now 443 active nuclear, private, commercial nuclear reactors on the planet. And then he said... That he named three that have had there have been uh, problems through my island, Chernobyl and Fukushima. And then he gave some statistic out of his ass. He said, well, you know, if I d was doing this thing and three like if I was getting this medical procedure and three out of every 443 failed, that doesn't sound like good to me. So he's he's not even being honest about his numbers because Chernobyl happened in the 80s. Three Mile Island happened in the 70s, and Fukushima just happened a few years ago. If if every 40 years we have an issue 
with a nuclear plant, and one of those was Russian, which they're they didn't have a, they don't have an OSHA, they don't have a nuclear uh, regulatory agency. Shit was not dealt with over there well, and in the seventies, it was a relatively new technology. In Fukushima, it was the largest recorded earthquake in the history of our planet. They say that in the four billion years that our planet has been a planet. It was in the top 10 of powerful earthquakes. Hmm. So out of 4 billion years, it was one of the 10 most powerful. It shifted our axis, the way where our Earth sits on its axis, by about 10 inches. It was a big fucking deal. So don't compare those three against whatever operation you were referencing. It's just it's disingenuous, and it's shitty, and it's scare tactics is what it is. And then this is the last one, and then I don't know how long we'll spend on it, but he, this is where Michael Shermer started really clamping down, and I really respect Michael Shermer for this. He started clamping down because apparently there's a chapter in uh, Bill Nye's book called What the GMF. Obviously about GMOs. Right, and it's, he, 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 he doesn't say that he's anti-GMO, he says he's kind of pro-GMO. That's mm-hmm. exactly his words. I'm kind of pro-GMO. Except for the fact that he wrote a chapter in his book that he admitted as being highly criticized, by the way, against GMOs. It's right. presenting a, a view of GMOs that is against it. Well, he went on to describe the fact that he's going to Monsanto. Um, He didn't say when, but coming February up February 11th. Oh, February 11th. He did say. I, apparently I was writing, I was typing furiously into my iPhone angrily. When he said that. So he's going to Monsanto on February 11th and he's going to meet with the CEO, an award winning uh, biogeneticist or whatever he is. It's, a, it's a, the guy who's a big deal in the scientific community. And um, he's going to get an earful from this dude. Well, and then Bill Nye said that depending on what he hears, he will change his mind, which is great because that's what you're supposed to do in science. But the thing is, he already wrote this chapter in his right. book. Yes. So it seems like if there was more that he could have done to educate himself, and he knew that. That's it. He knew that he didn't know everything. He knew he was going to have this. You know, it's. Ugh. So it just seems like maybe wait to talk to the guy and get the additional evidence that may sway your your point of view, and then write the chapter in the book. Because now this book has been published, and all these people are going to read it, and they're going to feel this way about GMOs because well, Bill Nye feels this way. Argument from authority, and that's problematic. And and it's unfortunate that so many people operate like that, but it's the reality. And there should be some responsibility for the information that's put out there. Well, when when questioned about it, what he said was, well, you know how it works is what they'll do is my publisher. I'll write a new chapter, an addendum, a correction and an updated chapter. And then we'll release a new version of the book. It's like, come on, dude. You know that your celebrity holds weight. People respect you. They, they know you as a scientist. I don't know why they respect you as an evolutionary biologist when you're a mechanical engineer who built planes for Boeing. But you have a celebrity in the science game, and it's disingenuous, and it's shitty that you're going to write a chapter in your evolution book called What the GMF and release it less than a month before you go meet with someone at Monsanto who might change your mind. 
So here's the thing. He's against it because he doesn't know or he says science also doesn't know what the impact will be on on the environment, on the environment, on the ecosystem, on how things work. And he talked about and he gave an example of how monarch butterflies have been being killed off because of. I don't know some some the some spring that's being sprayed right, well, onto the crops and then it's killing the butterflies. What they've done is they made a corn that's resistant to Roundup, the the chemical weed killer Roundup. So they kill the milkweed with Roundup that chokes off the corn, and then there's no milkweed, but this corn is resistant to the Roundup. So what happens is right. no mo- monarch butterflies love milkweed. There's no milkweed for them to eat there, and they die. Their, their population dwindles there. Right. So that's a, that's an unintended consequence of genetically modified organisms. And so he's saying that we don't know what the additional ramifications will be that we need for to the wait ecosystem. 20 years. We need to wait 20 years, he said. But the thing is, and, and Michael Shermer made a great point in saying, well, people are, are dying of starvation now. Millions of people. And that's the whole point of GMOs is to create foods that are sustainable, can grow in environments where, where poor people can have these access to these crops and grow them and eat them and survive and not die of starvation. And so Michael Shermer made that great point. But I was also thinking while I was sitting in the audience, well... When we have these experimental cancer drugs, do we wait 20 years to see, you know, and run these these meta-analysis on the data to ensure that the new cancer treatment is actually going to make a difference? Or do we go, hey, we have a new cancer treatment. Right. You have cancer. Are you willing to take this experimental drug? Christopher Hitchens took experimental cancer drugs. Right. And no, of course, you're going to try anything. Well, it, listen, it, it's pompous. It's arrogant, it's irresponsible, and it's just it's plain shitty for a a millionaire, a white millionaire to say let's wait 20 years while millions and millions of brown people die every year because of starvation. It's irresponsible. Anyway, <laughs> we had a good time though. It was a good time. We we got there, we sat next to to Ryan Bell and his girlfriend. Uh, up in the, uh, I don't want to say VIP section, but it was uh, kind of all the, the atheist muckety-mucks, which is a, it's a weird thing in and of itself. We'll save that for another show. Oh, okay. No, what say? What do you want to say? Well, I was just going to say, I mean, it was kind of, it was kind of bothering me because a lot of these people are atheist agnostics, skeptics, right? Which, Primarily yeah, right. skeptics. It was the skeptic society. And all the people around me were very snarky and dickish yeah and anytime <laughs> something was said on stage they would vocal vocalize their their disagreement and it would be you know anything republican is bad i mean i heard literally heard that phrase and it just seems weird to think that way in a skeptic environment right it's not very open-minded or free thinking these are the words that get bandied about in this community and if you're not really open-minded and free-thinking if everything Republican is bad. Because listen, if you listen to the show for five minutes, you know I a lot of Republican is bad. A lot. But you know what? They're not as successful a political party in this country that they are based on 100% bad ideas. It's just not the way it works. So... <laughs> Moving on with our, I really wish I remembered the name of the guy who gave us the bad review because we talked about Bill Cosby too much. (laughs) 
But Bill Cosby is in the news again. This time, a wealthy Hollywood elite lady has come forward and said that he also drugged and raped her. Right. Her name is Sindra Ladd, and she is a philanthropist and former entertainment executive. She wrote an op-ed on Monday accusing Bill Cosby of drugging and raping her back in 1969. So this takes the number of women to approximately 30. I don't think there's an exact number that people really know about just because there's so many women that have come forward. Well, but there's so many that are anonymous and have testified anonymously in different um, legal proceedings. Right. So she is the wife of Oscar winning Hollywood producer Alan Ladd Jr. And yeah, yeah. of Blade Runner. And she said she met Bill Cosby while he was married and she was a single 21-year-old New York City resident. She said that she willingly gave him her number. The two started hanging out. They ate hot dogs and shared pizza. Uh, One night they were supposed to see a movie, but she said she had a terrible headache. He offered her a pill. She says she asked a couple of times what it was, but each time he reassured reassured her and said, don't you trust me? And Uh, she says, of course I did. This was Bill Cosby. Right. So the whole situation is exactly like how the other ones have gone. He gives them a pill. They don't remember what happens. They wake up the next morning in the bed, naked, and he's in a robe. He Listen... (laughs) Bill Cosby loves, if he loves anything, there's a couple things. One is jello pudding pops, and the other is white terry cloth robes. This guy, decade after decade, loves white terry cloth robes. Right. <laughs> Gross. So she said she was in disbelief after the incident, but didn't alert the authorities. She says, it never occurred to me to go to the police. It was a different time, and date rape was a concept that didn't really exist. She has said, I have no plans to sue. I don't want or need money. I have no plans for a press conference or doing any interviews. And said this op-ed is essentially the last that she will say on this issue. However, the reason we're talking about this is because I think she gives a really great answer to the people that are asking, why come forward? Right. Why speak now? So she said this. So why speak out at all and why now? The simple answer is that it's the right thing to do. The truth deserves to be known. As I write this, more than 20 women have come forward, many with stories that are remarkably similar to mine. In response to these brave women, I have read comments like, what took them so long and what are they after now? I would ask these people to remember that up until relatively recently, prosecuting rape was a he said, she said proposition where the victim was blamed for having worn suggestive clothing or questioned as to why she went somewhere with her rapist. When this happened to me, the idea of drugging someone and raping them was almost fantastical. It was years before date rape drugs made the news, but it was a perfect modus operandi for a predator, rendering his victim unconscious or so incapacitated as to be unable to clearly answer police questions after the incident. After having done a lot of work on myself, I realized that we are only as sick as the secrets we keep. Once those secrets are spoken aloud, even if to just one person, they lose their power. I no longer feel the shame that kept me silent. Yes, I could have told my story years ago, and in hindsight, I probably should have. It's time now that my voice be added and to finally pull the curtain back from this dark moment in my life. Very well said. And, you know, like uh, Jay Leno said in our last episode, it only takes two women to testify a man in Saudi Arabia, and apparently you need 40 women in America. So, you know, the only question I would have would be, you know, what do you have to say about this, Bill Cosby? 
No, no, we don't answer that. Right. Exactly. He has nothing to say. Nothing to say on the matter from his own mouth. Of course, he'll have his lawyer come out and denigrate these women and character assassinate these women, but he will say nothing himself. No, no, we don't answer that. Next up on the follow-up chopping block, and then we're done with the follow-up. Um, and not really follow-up, just talking about one of our favorite guys on the show. Once again, Dr. Oz is in the news because one of his, not one of his, I think it's his favorite, his miracle weight loss drug, his miracle weight loss supplement, green coffee bean extract. The government is forcing green coffee bean extract to pay $9 million to consumers and damages. The Federal Trade Commission just announced a giant settlement with one of the supplement marketers, Dr. Lindsey Duncan, as well as the companies he had stake in, to pay $9 million to consumers after making deceptive and unsubstantiated claims about weight loss products. Good. And on the Dr. Oz show, this doctor, not Dr. Oz, another doctor that he had on to promote the pill, uh, made miraculous claims that the pill that the pills could lead to nearly 20 pounds of weight loss and a reduction of 16% body fat in 12 weeks without exercise. (laughs) He said all this was backed by science, but he never mentioned his financial conflict of interest in companies that made the pills. So they're going to have to pay nice for their deception. And I don't know how much they sold, but it, it, it would appear to me that $9 million really isn't enough because when you're, when you're actively scamming, uh, the public and lying openly that they should be shut down. And well, hopefully, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe $9 million is just enough to do it. So, well, and this goes, we, we also talked about the study that analyzed how much truth was behind the claims that are on the Dr. Oz show. So just as a reminder, be yeah, careful yeah. with the information that you, you take to heart. I mean, just cause Dr. Oz seems like a likable guy and, you know, well, he's Dr. Oz. He seems nice. Who would lie? He wouldn't lie. Uh, yeah, they lie. And just, sure. just be careful and research things on your own. The almighty dollar is a very, very powerful thing. And keep in mind that he also has people perform Reiki on anesthetized patients on his operating table who have their hearts exposed. He, he is a charlatan. He is a clear conflict of interest related to his financial gain and these drugs and he doesn't reveal that to his audience he's he's a liar and a charlatan that's that's the bottom line dollamocracy 2016 facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism next up scott walker Governor of Wisconsin, governor of the state of Wisconsin, has formed an exploratory committee. Another sign the governor's eye is on Washington. He takes the first concrete step toward a presidential run. He's formed a new group aimed at boosting his chances for 2016. As other potential Republican candidates intensify their efforts. Good evening, everyone. That committee launched for Walker is called Our American Revival. And Wisconsin Democrats say Walker should instead focus on a state revival. 
They say the governor should be here in Wisconsin trying to overcome state budget issues rather than trying to raise his national profile. Tonight, Fox 11's Ben Crumholtz brings us balanced news coverage. Our American Revival, the new website for Governor Walker's new federal committee launched Tuesday. It comes just days after Walker first used the American Revival phrase while closing out a speech to Iowa Republicans. We can have our own American Revival. God bless you. Thanks for letting me share with you here today. The website says the group shares the vision of the country's founders that the powers of federal government should be limited to those specific to the Constitution and that federal overreach infringes on American freedoms and values. Uh, he's trying to frame himself as an outsider uh, that hasn't been involved at the national level. Political science professor David Helpop says launching a committee like Walker has done is something other possible candidates have already done. Here are some facts on Walker's committee. It is filed as a 527 group, meaning it is tax exempt. There are no spending limits, but the committee must periodically publicly disclose donors, their contributions, and any expenses. This is another step toward launching that uh, campaign to be the next president of the United States. Wisconsin Democrats say Walker's record says more about him than his new committee website. They say at this point, they'd be surprised if Walker didn't decide to run for president, even though he's less than one month into his second term as governor. He seems like he's making all of the moves of someone who's running for president. He's spending time in Iowa promising the caucus voters there that he's going to be back often. Even if that is the case, Walker is still saying he'll focus on the state's budget before any presidential announcement is made. Ben Krumholz, Fox 11 News. Senators Marco Rubio of Florida, Rand Paul of Kentucky, Ted Cruz of Texas, former Florida Governor Jeb Bush as well, are among the Republicans who have already raised millions of dollars through similar committees. What strikes me about this clip is how desperately, how desperately that uh, reporter is trying to stuff down and hide that Wisconsin accent. <laughs> so... Did you hear him? He's uh, president. He, it's like someone who's British trying to do the American accent. It's it's such a, a wacky derivation on how I speak, let's say. Right. Which I would say is kind of normal American accent. Uh, yeah. Really? You think I have an accent? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. If, if I ask people, from what state do you think I hail? They have no idea. They, you know. Well, that reminds me of one time when someone told me that I had an accent and I said, yeah, that's weird. I've never heard that before. I'm I'm from Idaho. And she's like, oh, I was going to say it was in the Midwest. Yeah, now it makes sense. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, Idaho, no. Yeah, I've, I've gotten over the years, I've gotten really good, you know, having served in the United States Marine Corps. Jesse was a Marine, everybody. <laughs> um. And I served with a lot of guys from all over the country, so I've I've gotten real good at, re, at pe penning regional dialects, regional accents. I can, you from you from Philly, Baltimore. I mean, it's not right to the city or the neighborhood, but it's certainly if you're from you know a, a 200 mile or 150 mile area, I can I can usually nail it pretty good. Uh, next up in Dollamocracy is uh, again Mitt Romney. He is it seems like he might be trying to run. It it's he's 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 really putting himself in the news a lot. Except now, unlike every other time he's run for president, which seems like ten or fifteen times, although it's only two, um, he's being a little bit more open about his religion, a little bit more open about Mormonism. 
Yes. Well, after losing two straight presidential races, Romney packed up his home in Massachusetts and journeyed west to Utah, building a mansion in the foothills there. And now he calls it home. And he says that he feels very at home there. And apparently he says this is a very prayerful thing. In the end, it's really a decision between Mitt and Anne and their belief system, their God. And he Hmm. is apparently going to be more open about discussing his religious beliefs, not necessarily the Mormon church specifically, like discussing the doctrine, but he's being more open about his God. I, I, I'm eager for it, and I wonder, they have a lot of, if he does decide to run for office, one, I think he's done. I was listening to a lot of tape today, um, even Glenn Beck was just shitting on Mitt Romney and talking about what a terrible candidate he was, and the only reason that he supported him last time it was because it was a choice between Mitt Romney and Obama, so of course he's going to go Mitt Romney. I, on the other hand, did not make that choice, I refused to vote in the presidential election or for president. Right. So this is one example of him opening up a little bit about his his faith. In November, he was addressing a student body at Brigham Young University. And he said, there may be times in your life when you feel that it is a bit of a burden being a member of the church. Some folks will think you're not a Christian. Some may be insulted that you don't drink. And others will think that you're trying to be better than them by not swearing. <laughs> but, I can, <laughs> but I can affirm this. Your fellow members of the church will be a blessing to you that far more than compensates. Hmm. And this article also says that he's been reluctant to speak too openly on the campaign trail about his faith out of concern that people would believe his motivation for running was based on an attempt to convert others to his faith. I think that's I think that's a fabricated answer. And I that think, is I think, Tag Romney saying that. I think he, his son. I know. I, I, I think that he doesn't want to answer questions related to his faith because it's problematic for most Americans. Right, and that's the thing, you there, know. There are sorry, there are doctrinal differences between m- mainstream Mormonism and mainstream Christianity. Yeah, and that's the thing. We've talked about that before whereas right. we, you and I, most atheist agnostics view all religion as the same. There not there's not one that's more kooky than another. Right. However, to Christians, they like to laugh at Mormons and laugh at Scientologists, which is completely illogical, but that's what they do. Right. So it's it's almost as if a Scientologist would run. I mean, that's kind of the discriminatory attitude that yeah. general Christians have toward Mormons. Right. So I, I do agree that that is the reason, ultimately, that he would want to abstain from discussing those elements because, well, not everyone's going to be able to relate to it and they're going to they're going to think he looks bad well, and judge him. But it, ultimately, it's wrong. He, he he should be he, he there are there are there were prophecies and things that Joseph Smith said in his later days about overthrowing the government of the United States that and Joseph Smith if you don't know is the 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 founding prophet of the Mormon church that are pro- those statements are problematic when you have a devout Mormon running for president he should be able to answer to that thing answer to that to that question what what do you have to say about what your founding prophet of your religion said about overthrowing the United States? He, that is a legitimate question, and he's he's afraid to answer it. He's this last campaign and and the the the, the prior campaign in two thousand eight. He 
just flat out refused. So Right. Well, I think he realizes that obviously many things weren't working the, the last two times. did not pay off. Yeah. Right. So and he's thinking maybe that's a variable of what didn't work. So maybe we need to change that. And maybe that will be the golden ticket. Yeah. Right. That change. Well, I, I hope he doesn't run. So and not not only because of the Mormon thing, but that's one of the reasons. Well, I just think it would be fun to watch him. I want him to run. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, I said yes, no. Yes. God damn it. <laughs> Romney, Romney. <laughs> wow, you're really getting on the bandwagon. <laughs> that is great. Holy shit. So we're going to wrap up the Dollamocracy segment with a little Barack Obama showing up in uh, Saudi Arabia and his wife, Michelle, didn't wear a head covering. Oh, what was she doing? The First Lady, Michelle Obama, skips a headscarf when meeting Saudi Arabia's new king and sparks an international debate. The First Lady accompanying the president on a quick stop to pay their respects to the late King Abdullah as well as meet the new ruler. But while, but while the First Lady uh, shook hands with the king, something typically forbidden by Saudi law between men and women who are not related, it was the First Lady's hair that made headlines. The Washington Post reporting some 1,500 tweets have been sent, many of them calling Mrs. Obama disrespectful. But was this more about symbolism instead of a snub? My next guest says yes. Frida Geddes is a world affairs columnist for the Miami Herald and a contributor for CNN.com. Frida, good morning. Good morning, Carol. Good morning. So um, do you think this was orchestrated by the Obama administration that Michelle Obama would show up at this event without covering her head? Carol, can you imagine if she had worn a headscarf, what the, what the outcry would be in the United States and in the rest of the world? I think the Obama administration made a very deliberate decision to bring Michelle to this event, to bring Mrs. Obama to this event. Uh, it was a way of telling the Saudis, look, we take women seriously in the United States and the rest of the world. Women can take cer cer uh, center stage, uh, and, and you just have to get used to it. It's, it's a symbol of the, this very complicated relationship between the United States and Saudi Arabia, a country that is important for, for American strategic reasons and that creates a lot of problems in, in its clash of cultures. So the outrage was primarily on Twitter from... Saudis. Yes, and the hashtag was Michelle underscore Obama underscore unveiled, and they were... Can you use underscores and hashtags? Um, apparently. These hashtags were written in... Arabic? And they have underscores in them, huh. and, and, okay. and then they have the translated version, which also has underscores, so I... That's good to know. I, 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 I use hashtags a lot. Yeah, so I'm not sure. I mean, I guess. But um, someone pointed out that... On a recent trip to Indonesia, she wore a headscarf, and so they were kind of making these comments, well, she didn't wear it here. Why did she wear it in Indonesia? Is this an intentional slight to Saudi Arabia? The answer to that is that when she went to uh, Indonesia and wore one, they were at a mosque. So it's like when a president goes to a temple, a Jewish temple, he wears the little frisbee on his head. He, you know, he, the wear, yarmulke. he wears the yarmulke. It's all religious dumb shit. It doesn't. It's it, it's in it's imaginary bullshit. Which, I don't have to respect it. By the way, if you didn't know, yamaka is spelled exactly like how it sounds. Oh, you want to tell that story, do you? I can't believe you brought that up. I don't know what you're I'm talking gonna, about. I there's an L in yamaka. It's yamaka is how it's spelled. 
That's how it. It's how if you were to sound it out, it would sound like that. And I was I was trying to spell it in a tweet one time, and rather than say head frisbee, I was trying to spell yamulka, and I was asking her how do you spell it, and I showed her. She's like, no, it's y a m a k a yamaka. <laughs> Okay, the the real way that you spell it here, we're gonna give everyone some information right now. That's real good. You mean like unlike the rest of the show? Goddamn. Yes. So Y A R M U L K E. You're welcome. Yarmulka. Okay. So anyway, back to this. Michelle Obama is not the first person to do to do this. Laura Bush also did not wear a, a head not. cover. And then Condoleezza Rice also wrote in her book about having been, been offered a veil and a robe when she arrived in Saudi Arabia and saying, no, thank you. I'm yeah. not going to wear that. And saying, fuck straight off. I'm not so, putting that shit on. So I'm you, the Secretary of State of the United States of America. I'm not going to cover myself. People are saying that this is, you know, a tiny little protest to kind of illustrate because they were attending the funeral of the the king that just died right and he has a terrible woman's rights record of course they can't drive they can vote so they have to enter the shopping mall in separate entrances from men when you go into a kentucky fried chicken and they have kentucky fried chickens or a knockoff there are different entrances and areas of the restaurants for families where there are mixed gender and single dudes a single dude can't go in the family. It's, it's backwards. It's, it's the it's the sixth century, with uh with modern technology. Okay, well that reminds me. I read a, a blog post that's been posted a lot on Facebook. It's from a a Mormon mommy blogger type thing, and she talks about leggings and how she is refusing to wear leggings because leggings like yoga pants uh yeah leggings are like black tight almost like tights okay they can be any color i don't know why i'm saying they're black but yeah they're like yoga pants and obviously yoga pants are notorious for making asses look great yeah uh when people have great asses yeah and especially making them pronounced and hugging the ass and really be good yeah yeah and i enjoy when you wear yoga pants okay so This this blogger was talking about how she's not going to wear them anymore in public. She's only going to wear them at home, and she's almost encouraging other women to do that as well because she doesn't want to uh, cause lust in her husband's heart because he admitted that he looks at other women who wear leggings. Talk about that part. Talk about what her husband said when he was like, yeah... You know, I it takes a lot of effort for me not to. Uh, he's like, sometimes I just have to look at, at women in leggings. It's like, okay, wait, leggings are the problem because you know women wear skirts and dresses and sundresses and tank tops and cleavage right. shirts. I mean, where does it end? Right. You're gonna make this one, and it's you know what your husband is gonna look at people. That's what people do. Like, relax, it's fine. Well, they believe because of the Bible that if you if you lust after a woman in your heart, it's the same thing. As checking into a hotel and fucking. Jesus said that. Mm, if, I'm not. Well, that's what he said. Well, he didn't. They didn't have hotels okay, in the time. Right. I, that's what All I'm right. taking issue with. I'm paraphrasing what Jesus said. So the the comparisons there are, are I'm seeing between the the one religion and the other religion about wanting to, you know, tell women what they what they should wear to 
be a certain way around men and it's you know men can take responsibility for themselves and if you have a problem then it's your problem that's the overall theme that needs to be expressed that men can take responsibility for their thoughts and their actions it doesn't matter what a woman wears i can control myself you're a grown man you know relax even non-grown man can control themselves it's 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 asinine it's a non-starter So we have two Florida Files stories today. Yeah. Just like we had two Taking Care of Biz is last. Yeah. Taking Care of Biz is. Yeah. So our first one is about a cat in Florida, obviously. And he was, or she, they, the cat. It. Yes. It was hit by a car and then buried. And then a couple of days later, it turned up in the yard of a neighbor. It's a miracle. All I could think is a miracle, and it just went time for this cat to go. With the heart of a fighter and the strength of a lion, this little fella wasn't supposed to live, but wasn't ready to die. I had to been touched by the Lord or something. I mean, I can't explain it. When people hear the story of Bart the Cat, it sounds like a tall tale, feline fantasy, if you will. But sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. The cat was buried. The cat was dead. My neighbor brought the cat back to my house. Ellis Hudson witnessed what he calls a miracle. His cat came back from the dead after being hit by a car and buried nearby. The cat was really dead. The cat was absolutely dead. The cat was cold. The cat was stiff. The cat ain't had no movement, no nothing. Or so he thought. As the family was grieving, Bart dug his way out of his own grave and came crawling back home. Ellis's neighbor saw him first. There he is, just purring and looking up at me, all dirty, and I'm like, this cat is dead. <laughs> I know he was dead. I Obviously not. Bart is dead. And she said, Bart is not dead. Here's Bart right here. The cat was alive all right, but in bad shape with a broken jaw, a cracked palate, and deep wounds. Doctors at the Humane Society of Tampa Bay brought him back to life. So miracles happen? Yes, miracles do happen. Brought him back to life. Is that reporter fucking kidding with that? That reporter is hilarious. <laughs> I was laughing through that entire thing. This is my favorite part. With the heart of a fighter and the strength of a lion, this little fella wasn't supposed to live, but wasn't ready to die. <laughs> I had to been touched by... That's great. But wasn't ready to die. (laughs) This little fighter had a heart of a lion. That's how they teach you to talk at reporter school. (laughs) Reporter school, Mm -hmm. huh? (laughs) I think she went to reporter community college because that is really dumb. Mm -hmm. So anyway, zombie cat, holy shit. How freaked out would you be 
How freaked out would you be if your cat came back to life? That cat is not looking so hot. And we no. will post the link on the Facebook page and the Twitter page so you guys can check it out for yourselves. But if that cat w- appeared in my yard a couple of days later... Uh, it's seriously like a Stephen King novel. I'd, uh, and the way it looks, I mean, it's probably possessed or something. And I mean, it's not. But Listen, I would not be surprised if in a couple of weeks there's another follow-up story from Florida... That this family has been ravaged and murdered by all of this this cat's minions that it brought back from the grave because it looks terrible. The white, cloudy eye and the jaw that's just all jacked up. Yeah. No, no bueno. So next on the Florida file docket. A Florida man accidentally shot and killed his friend while they acted out rap lyrics together. <laughs> now listen, this might just be my my prejudicial mind if you were to just tell me about this story because it's rap i automatically think it's a couple of black guys but when you interject florida into the mix it gives a whole new dimension and i would say that there's a very strong likelihood that these gentlemen were not black these people i'm not gonna call them gentlemen um (laughs) they were white of course, Floridians. Well, one one was white and one is white. Oh, he died. Right. Oh. So that's kind of the sad part <laughs> of the story. Was that, our, was, that was our very tiny moment of silence right there? Yeah, I mean, because it's, <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's it's tragic, but it's the way it happened. It's so weird. And hey, you know man, what I mean? You, you, you live the thug life. You're going to die the thug life. All right. That's enough. So Rodney, yo, Patrick. Yo. Okay. Rodney Patrick Jr., 22 years old, was charged with manslaughter after he fatally shot his girlfriend's little brother, 17-year-old Douglas Winslow. Officers said the two were inside of a home listening to rap music, and one grabbed the gun to perform parts of the song, pointed it at the 17-year-old, and pulled the trigger all while believing he was holding an unloaded weapon. Uh. The bullet struck the kid and killed him. The one who shot the kid called 911 and told the dispatcher that the kid had accidentally shot himself. He said that he handed his brother the gun and he didn't know it was loaded. He shot himself in the head. He just wanted to see it. He thought it was so cool. I thought I had cleared it and everything. This is so bad. I'm such a terrible person. And then they later determined that that story was not true. Terrible. So... I mean hilarious on one level and tragic and terrible on another well i mean come on this guy's 22 what are you doing going and like acting out a rap song and grabbing a gun and then what are you doing why is there a gun just randomly in reach of these these idiots well and here's the thing as well is like in the movies i always notice that when people have the gun they don't have their finger on the the trigger cover i don't know if that's what it's called they have the it trigger, on the trigger the trigger guard yeah yeah they have it on the trigger and i'm always like looking at it nervous like hey no get your hand off the trigger until you're ready to shoot somebody that's exactly it's weird that you have that understanding because when i when you watch military movies and like when they're when they're moving through like an urban warfare kind of a thing and they've they're they just they're they're not covering the trigger where you like you cover the brake before you when you go through an intersection your foot's on, like near there but not on the brake right that's when you cover the trigger but when you're when you're not if you're just there and you're not re- intending to be readily available to shoot the the trigger to pull the trigger your finger should be straight against the trigger guard 
I mean, it's it, you'd think it's common sense, but apparently hillbillies don't they don't they didn't get the training. Well, and I have zero gun experience, almost right. zero. I've shot a gun one time in my life that I can remember. I, I did it as a kid, but I don't remember that. Me too. Uh, one 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 time I shot one gun. Yeah, right. Yep. When I was 16, <laughs> okay, when I was 16, that's here we're going to end the story, we're going to end the episode with some story time with Brittany, okay? When I was 16, I went to a week-long training camp at the Post Academy in Meridian, Idaho. Oh, right. Because I thought I wanted to be a cop no, for on. a long time. Well, let's say what Post Academy is. It's the peace officers special training something it's 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 cop training right cop yeah, training right and so i went there for a week and it was just kind of like a thing for for high school students to get a taste of what the cop training would be like and part of the cop training was shooting guns and while we were all in a line shooting they actually stopped everyone and came over and gave me specific instruction one-on-one because they were probably fearful that I was getting ready to murder everybody. Would you turn the pistol sideways or something? Like you were a bra bra like you were just I a rapper? I don't know what, what I was doing? doing, but they called everyone off, like stopped the whole thing and came over to help me, and I was mortified. You were like Ice Cube in the movie Friday? I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember what I was doing wrong. I've apparently just blocked it out because it was so horrifying, but... Apparently, I'm just an idiot. There have been several times that I have been wary of individuals on the firing range or even in, you know, active shooting um, situations and in the Marine Corps, I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Don't say it. And uh, it uh, it's scary. So it's, I'm glad that they corrected you because you were probably ready to go on a, a, a wild, maniacal, bloodletting killing spree. Mm-hmm. A fury-filled rage-induced killing spree. Mm -hmm. Not good. Yeah. Not good. And the cop camp obviously didn't work because not a cop. (laughs) Not a cop. Um, Thank thank goodness. Didn't become a cop. Thank goodness. Wanted to very badly. With that, we are going to wrap it up. This has been episode 93. Can you believe we're seven episodes away from our 100th episode? The century mark is, is approaching very quickly. Listen, we appreciate you listening. As always, we love you and are are happy. And I, I, I always want to use the word blessed, but people don't like the word blessed in my community of non-believers. But we're blessed. I, I feel very fortunate. We feel very fortunate to have developed the audience that we have, the international audience that we have. It's just a wonderful thing. So I just want to, every episode give a heartfelt thanks to you guys. Um, if you'd like to support the show, other than listening twice a week, you can visit the website, dollamore.com. Up in the top right-hand corner, there's a link that says support the show. At that link, you can go and buy a book on the amazon.com search bar. Or not even a book. You can buy, you can buy, you can buy blankets or or gloves and mittens for your for your blizzard needs, especially if you live in Boston or New York City, because it's cold, I guess. It's never cold here in Southern California. 75 degrees and sunny every single day. Again, we love you. We appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. 
you exercised your right to, you know, kind of publicly chastise the establishment. 